0: Thank you for agreeing uh, today. Thank you, worship team. Give give just a hand of appreciation to the worship team and uh, those people who work diligently and hard and effortlessly and and that really, really talented group that we have uh, in worship. And so uh, we'll be glad to kind of get some normalcy back. We've had a few people out with COVID on the worship team and and just in in just some of the um, other things uh, in life that we deal with. And so uh, we are in the sixth chapter of Galatians, and we've been studying the book of Galatians, so one through five, and now the sixth chapter. And uh, we tackled uh, a few uh, hard subjects last week, uh, as we walk through Galatians. So I just want to reiterate because we have uh, uh, people in Grace Church not really asking questions, but just kind of wondering, listen, we are still a church for all people. Amen. Uh, we love people. God loves people. Uh, that, that's what we're about. We've always uh, we've always been that way, we always will be that way. Uh, I, I shared probably four, a little over four years ago, Grace opens the door so truth can be taught. Jesus was full of grace and truth, all right? So grace opens the door, truth is taught, and truth taught in love is how we always should teach truth, right? And so again, we're, we're for all people. We love, uh, love, love, love everybody. So, uh, But we, we're going to present truth as truth presents itself. And as we go through this book of Galatians, there was a couple parts in there where our adaptation of truth, biblical truth, is, is what we stand on. So uh, Galatians, the sixth chapter, we'll continue to move towards that. And uh, I love Galatians, the sixth chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters in the scripture, especially the first ten verses, which we'll read here in a minute. We're going to read it out of Eugene Peterson's translation, The Message Bible, again, because it speaks to us maybe a little bit more in today's language. But uh, Galatians, six chapter, uh, really Kind of shows us, uh, and a key word there. The Greek and Hebrew is kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. It's a kairos meaning. It's a window of opportunity. It's how we can open a window. And so we know grace is unmerited favor. We know that. We get that. But then there's blessings that follow, and blessings follow maybe a legacy legacy or a lineage or even an inheritance of blessing. Our blessings go all the way back to really the first chapter of Genesis, but especially the 12th chapter with Abraham's blessings and all nations of the earth, all, all people of the earth will be blessed. And so we understand that, we get it, but then there are Kairos times in our life where we might be doing things and just in the sight of God, we don't even know it, we're not expecting it, God opens us this, this uh, figurative window in heaven and pours blessings out upon us. It's actually part of my prayer time each and every day. Lord, would you let a, allow a Kairos moment take place? Would you open the windows of heaven? Would you pour out a blessing upon it? I know some of the younger generation just a little bit, they, they may make fun of the, uh, I pray, a hedger protection and a shield of favor over our church, our body, our people, and uh, Janie says to make fun of it until they need it. Don't, don't make fun of prayer, Amen? Uh, but I understand. I get it. I'm somewhat sarcastic myself, and it's part of my nature. I'm trying to peel that back a little bit. Uh, but listen, we when we pray, and without vain repetitions, but it's good to pray the Scriptures. It's good to pray the way God would want you just, oh, so there's a window in heaven. Yes, in fact, Malachi 3.10 says, Prove me now here with," says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven. That's kairos in the Hebrew. And pour you out a blessing that there will not be room after it. So we can control Kairos moments in our life, and if we can control Kairos moments in our life, then we can also stop Kairos moments from our life. And so I'm going to kind of give you the, the right and the wrong, the good and the bad, the how-to versus the don't, don't do uh, in this message today, so that you can walk through life and you can say, hey, I want kairos. I need kairos moments. I need God to move in this realm. And here's what I'm going to do. It's not a secret formula. It's just obedience to other God. So we're going to read through Galatians 6, 1 through 10, and then we'll go back and pull some points out of it and we'll we'll pray. And the song at the end will bless you as well. Galatians 6, chapter verses 1 uh, through 10 live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. Save your critical comments for Facebook. That's not what it says. <laughs> but having the week that I had, it seemed like there might be a lot of critical comments in Facebook or Instagram. And this is, this is a killer. We'll talk about that in a moment. But save your critical comments for yourself. Can you say amen? It's really important, again, uh, I've spoken recently, be angry but sin not, so there might be some flesh that rises up, but don't let it deter you from what God's really doing with inside of you. You might be needing forgiveness yourself before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed, share their burdens, and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, all right? Listen, by the way, and I didn't touch on this in the first service, the work you've been given isn't necessarily the trade you're in, the work you've been given is what God wants you to do for the kingdom. If it means simply going to a neighbor and taking a meal or inviting them to church or having a Bible study in your community or your workplace, that might be the work you're giving. It's important that we understand what God's work is for each of us in our life. And then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Be very sure now you have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity that you enter into a generous common life with those who have been, have trained you sharing all the good things that you have experienced. Stop there for a second. Go back to that because this is just, this is kind of a Holy Spirit moment. One, and, and, and I've talked about my father-in-law a lot father-in-law a lot. You know, he passed just recently, just, you know, a few days ago, uh, Janie, and he had such a close, close relationship. Uh, It's it's been very, very difficult for her uh, this time of mourning and this time of grief, Uh, really handling it like a trooper. But he was such a good spiritual advisor for me. He was such a he was so iconic. I joked at the at the funeral. I, I preached his funeral. Jamie and Andrew Nidley sang, Marcus spoke the night before. It was such a traumatic time. It was uh we got the call and literally uh hours later he went to be home with Jesus, and 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 we were able to get Janie up there in time. It was so beautiful. Uh, but in one particular story, uh, Marcus uh, had come into my office. This is a few years ago, and he said, "Papa, uh, Grandpa said hi." I said, "Oh, did he call you?" Because he would do that periodically, and, and he said, "No, I called him. I, I had a uh, Bible question." Well. <laughs> Shop liver here. Yeah. <laughs> I was hurt for 30 seconds. And then I realized who he was calling. He's calling grandpa. He's calling, he's going to see her. He said, Well, let me tell you about the question. he said, I forget what the question is. Let me tell you what what grandpa. So Grandpa said, Marcus, do you have your Bible? And he said, Yeah. He said, Turn to the uh, Revelations 11 chapter, he said, you see there around verse number 5, yeah, and so he read down to verse 6 or 7 or 8 or 9, he said, let's go over to uh, Ezekiel, see chapter 3 there, see in verse 3, Marcus, and re- read down to like verse 8 or 9, he said, yeah, he said, Marcus said, yeah, I see that, he said, well, let's go over to Matthew for a second, and then he said, okay, see Matthew 9, Marcus, and re- let's re- read these five first five verses together, so yeah, Grandpa, I see that, is it starting to make sense to you now? He said, yeah, it's making sense now, Grandpa. said, well, let me, let's go to Jeremiah. He said, let's go to Jeremiah 29. He said, just a second, Marcus. Hey, hey, Pat, Pat, grab my Bible. He spent 10 minutes on the phone with Marcus quoting scriptures, word for word, line for line, dot for dot. And Marcus was like, "Baba!" (laughs) Like, Like, after a while he finally said, hey, Pat, grab my Bible. And I think Listen to me. Be very sure now, you who have been trained to self-sufficient maturity, that you enter into generous, common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have experienced. There's a wave that goes through Christendom, well, I don't like what they teach anymore, or... They don't give me any meat anymore, or they're not kind anymore, or they're this. And there's a wave in Christendom, and it's happened over the last 30 or 40 years where people just come and go and they can't get anchored in Christ because as soon as their ears are stopped getting tickled, they're ready to move on. And they don't get in touch with those spiritual leaders or mature people who, who happen to. Now, I understand people, God, listen, God moved us from a church. He moved us from our father-in-law, my father-in-law's church, he moved us to other, God will move people along, don't get me wrong, but God doesn't move people along when they're mad. God doesn't move people along when they're upset. God doesn't move people along when they're, when they're, they're disjointed. God moves people along because he does need people in other places, but you have, the, the biggest void in my life right now is that man who has trained me is now on the other side. Now, you talk about a mantle that you have to pick up or a mantle that you have to find, and that will happen in life at some point in time, but I, I'm so thankful, and just give me a minute to, to kind of just unleash it for, I'm so thankful for the spiritual training that we got as we were growing up spiritually, okay, because it, it's it's iconic in a way, and yes, I laugh about it because it was so legalistic and it was so hardcore and, and we were, spiritual Navy SEALs because of it, but I want to say this, that when you, when you sit for teaching, however you get your teaching, and hopefully you get it every day, and you get it through the Word of God, and you get it through life and love, and you have this maturity that takes place, then you start to share those good things in common. It's, it's important that we understand that God places people in all of our lives to pour into us. And not only to pour into us, but then for us to pour into others. Are you with me? All right, verse number seven, let's move on. Don't be misled that one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. A person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds, and he'll have to show for his life is weeds. All he have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvest a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to to get fatigued doing good. But at the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit right now. Therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Let's pray. Father, we pray our hearts would be open as your word is taught today. Let us take it. Let us live it. Let us grow from it. Let us move forward. We love you so much, and we thank you, Lord. Let the hearers hear today, those who are watching online, those who will be watching this week, let them hear your word for their life. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. So I'll give you a couple things today, uh, and then I'll give you kind of the counter thing, okay? So there's some things in our life that we can do that will allow us to uh, find Kairos moments. Let's go back to that first set of verses 1 through 3, and the very first thing, uh, if you're taking notes, is live creatively. This is really important that we live in a level of creativity as Christ Followers and we're made in the image of God. God is a speaker, okay? God, God uh, is a visionary. God speaks those things out. He calls those things. And so when we, there's four different dimensions uh, to creative living. One is sight. One is sound, one is imagery, and one is voice. So we have sight and sound, imagery and voice. Imagery could be uh, prophecy, it could be uh, visionary, it could be dreams, it could be uh, thoughts or ideas. And so we have sight with things we see, we have sound, things we hear, we have uh, the image, things uh, that we think or, or plan or do, and then we have voice, things that we speak. In uh, our relationship with uh, uh, God, uh, as it relates to maybe children, things happen in a reflection of a way. So we are in the image of God, we should reflect God. We should be a reflection of who God is, so therefore we should act in some of the supernatural things that way. The problem is sometimes we fall into the physical. And so uh, used in the first service are two Uh, three of our, our three youngest grandchildren, our youngest grandson, uh, Judah Mark, is uh, two years old, super cool. Like, really, like, got a real... cool smile lights up the room. In fact, the second service, they were in for the end at worship, and you'll see the, the song is So Will I, Be- beautiful song, okay, it's a Hillsong song. Uh, Andrew uh, and the team do a great job on it, and yet you see like tigers and giraffes and, and mountains, and and Judah's over here, and he's in a stroller, and he says, Tiger real loud and then he says giraffe and he's he's calling things out and he's just like he's getting excited like he's seeing the zoo. It's a reflection. He he's seeing, okay, and he's hearing. And so when kids are young, this is how they learn. They see and they hear, and then it becomes part of the imagery to where then they can speak it out. And his Parents have told him that's a tiger, or that's a bear, or that's a lion, or that's a giraffe, or that's a an elephant. And when we were back for uh, the funeral in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, Council Bluffs, Omaha has one of the world's top zoos. It's like maybe second or third in all of America, and certainly one of the best in in the world. And so Marcus took his family uh, to the whole Omaha Henry Dolly Zoo, which is iconic. It's a it's a beautiful zoo, and you could you probably have to spend two or three days. There, not just two or three hours, to really see everything, and you see elephants and giraffes and tigers and all that. That's a reflection. This is how we learn entry level into the kingdom. Somebody tells us about Jesus. Okay, we hear it, or maybe we see a neighbor who's a Christ follower, and they like they always have joy. They have love. They they go over and above. They love their neighbors themselves, and that draws us to this spiritual wellness of Christ we don't even understand who Jesus is but we see them through somebody else or maybe you're that neighbor maybe you you show up and you're you're taking a meal to someone you're praying for someone you're having a Bible study in your neighborhood or your workplace you're being that that person that God wants you to be so you become then the sight and sound of the scriptures of Jesus this is important but the same is true then as that that little person, as Judah, or uh, the imagery. Our, our granddaughter, Sela, is uh, four and a half years old, and, uh, and and she's she's got the imagination of of a of a songwriter or of a of an author. She just she she morphs into this other person sometimes, and so sometimes we'll take her home after church because uh, uh, they come over for dinner. The kids do, and uh, Sela, how you going today? And she says, I'm not Sela. Oh, we must have brought somebody else. I'm Lily. Oh, okay, Selah. I thought you were, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not Salem. I'm Lily. Oh, okay, Lily, and, and do you have any sisters? Yes, I have, I have a, a sister named Grammy. Well, that's what we call Janie is, is Grammy. I said, well, then you must have a brother named Poppy. Nope. No brothers, name. <laughs> my brothers are Trevor and Judas. We go through this whole thing, and she's got such a tremendous imagination that just grows. And it's like in, the, in that realm, it's so good to see it unleashed, okay? And then our grandson, Cam, uh, he's six, and uh, he, uh, he's six and a half. His birthday is the same day as mine. And so his mother, our daughter, Jill, bought him a guitar recently. And, and so it was a little toy guitar. And so he was playing it, and he stopped for a moment. And, and he looked up at Jill and said, Mama, I, I didn't know I was a professional already. It's just the the imagination, okay? And so it's important as Christ followers that we become imaginative. And then what happens is we we start to speak those things out. Even God, Romans four seventeen says, who quickens the dead calls those things that aren't as though they are. What is that? We rely some rely too much sometimes on sight and sound. If somebody says it's not gonna work out, we hear a bad report, we hear those things, and all of a sudden it cripples our spirit from being really who we are. And so as we learn young, sight and sound, and then image and voice, we need to reverse that as mature Christians to where if to live creatively, we start to imagine, we start to believe, we start to, we start to inherently understand what God wants, and then we start to speak those out well before we we hear them or see them. In fact, that's what Thomas was up against. Jesus Said, here's my hands, here's my side, Thomas. Blessed are you for seeing them, but more blessed are the person who hasn't seen, yet they believe. This is the the process of maturity in Christ, and this is Kairos. If you start to imagine things, if you start to believe things, if you start to vision cast on things, if you start to speak things out and they start to come to pass, one of the reasons they'll come to pass is because there's a Kairos moment that takes place, and God says, I am going to operate on that person's faith. I'm gonna bless that person for speaking that out. I'm gonna bless that person for for being the rock that they are, for being mature as they are. And as God spoke in Genesis the first chapter, he said, God, the Bible says recorded as God said nine different times. And God said, and God said, and God said. So God is speaking those things into it. He opens his voice and he speaks it out. And then he saw, the Bible said that he saw and that it was good. So he wants us to do the same. Rather than just hearing and seeing, although it's good to hear and see God's word and hide it in your heart that you may not sin against thee, it's even better if we say, okay, God, plant this vision in me, plant this dream in me, plant this prophetic voice in me, plant this, this imagery in me so that I can see people the way you see them, so I can, pee, I can see the, the life that you would have for us, so that we could speak those things out. You've heard my story of our 73 Malibu classic, Powder plough Blue with a white Landau roof and no reverse. We would drive that thing around Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, Janie would speak to the kids, say, we're going to live in this neighborhood someday, we're going to have, and the kids were, would buy into that, and it was a rough financial season in our life, but you know, God did in that very, very neighborhood that we would drive through. The very word spoken, we ended up buying a house in that neighborhood. We, it's those things that we were imaging were coming to pass. You have to start believing. You have to start receiving. You have to start declaring. You have to start pronouncing. If you have a a, saved, a, a person who doesn't follow Christ as a non-believer, start calling out their name. Ask the Lord. Don't, don't believe it until you see it. Don't believe it until you hear it. Start believing it ahead of time, and it will come to pass. That is a chiro moment in our life. A Kairos killer, though, is that very next thing where he says, save your critical comments for yourself. It's when we start to criticize things or criticize people that we kind of insult God. God created that person. God made that person. Well, maybe they're not doing things the way you think they should or the way you know God intended for them. So start calling goodness in their life. Start calling blessings in their life. Start calling repentance in their life or revival in their life or whatever it is. But keep your critical comments to yourself. Why? Because that shuts down the, the closing of the Kairos moment. I, there, my mother used to say when we were younger, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say it all. Anybody ever hear that statement around the house? If you don't have anything good to say, just don't say it. We heard that nearly every day at the dinner table nearly every day. If you don't have anything good to say, just don't say it. I'm not sure if she knew this scripture. I'm not sure how much of that, of this Galatians that she studied, but I would say this, that's good advice. Just keep your critical comments to yourself. It it, it allows God then to deal with you. Then every night before you go to bed, put your head down, just say, Lord, is there anything in my mind that I've allowed in? And the Lord will deal with you by the power of the Holy Spirit because he loves you. That's what he does, okay? And so where we're, we're, we're encouraged to live creatively. Uh, one of those moments that uh, kills that is that if we become very critical, hypercritical, nothing's good enough, nothing's, uh, nothing's right, we're, we complain about everything, not, everything's wrong in our life, everything's wrong in our city, everything's wrong in our workplace our church or whatever, everything, nothing's good enough, we, we're killing a Kairos moment. And so uh, I encourage you today to live in a Kairos moment, to live in a season of blessing, a season of favor, a season of grace, allow yourself to live creatively and start being proactive with the amount of joy and love versus the the sorrow. And then he goes on to say, share your burdens and so complete Christ's law. We are to, number two, we are to bear each other's burdens. Now, there's a really, really, really fine line between bearing somebody's burdens and picking up somebody else's offense. A real fine line, and you have to be careful. So, what what's it look like to bear somebody's burden? So, I want to pray with that person. I want I want to stand with that person. I want to have empathy or sympathy for that person. Maybe they have lost a loved one, or maybe they're in the hospital. And Janie was in the hospital seven years ago for those nine days in the ICU. I understood what it was like to have never left the hospital to be there for her. And so, our our prayers for people when we find out they're in the hospital are are ratcheted up because we live that experience of something that could have been, could have gone either way. It's important. So there's empathy there, okay? There's simply, we bear a burden. We appreciated the people of Grace Church to rally around, okay? And now with COVID, there's another time that we have to rally around people and we have to bear each other's burdens. That's scriptural. It's biblical. It's in more, more than one place. At the same time, we have to be careful that we don't pick up somebody else's offense. And the problem with picking up somebody else's offense is usually they get over it before you do. And so someone's offended. Well, how dare them? And they rally the troops and they rally support and everything, everybody goes off on social media or at the workplace or around the water cooler or however that looks and everybody's mad and it becomes an us versus them type scenario. That's not God's plan. So we have to be careful that we don't pick up offenses for, from people, or we don't share our offenses. This is, again, why he says, keep your critical comments to yourself. Don't criticize, don't, don't, don't exaggerate that, because it, it just it's going to grow. Everybody likes a good story. Everybody likes to to pick up those things. Uh, Quite a few years ago, I did grapes at communion time here at Grace Church, and I thought it was a really cool idea. You can't have uh, wine or uh, grape juice without grapes, right? Literally impossible. Without the grape, and so the grape to me was the purest form of of, of the vine. And then I used the matza bread, uh, unleavened cracker, uh, for the bread. And it was a beautiful service. It was midweek, uh, and it was just—it was just. I felt it was really enjoyable. I had uh, somebody come up to me afterwards, and they were displeased with the fact that I used uh, the grape, and, you know, I apologized. do didn't want to be a stumbling block. I thought it was pretty cool. And then I had somebody call me. About a week or so later, they were leaving the church. I said, well, how come? Can we meet? Can we talk? Yeah, I'll come right in and tell you exactly why. You use grapes for, for communion and, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, uh, okay. And I, just the Holy Spirit reminded me very quickly, that person wasn't even in service they weren't here that night. I said, you know, it's a little bit hypocritical that you would listen to gossip about the service, pick up an offense somebody else had, and you're quitting the church based on things that you've heard and things that you haven't even seen, but, but, but because somebody else is offended, you're going to go ahead and join that bandwagon. I think we have to be careful that we share a burden. The right thing for that person to do is sit down and say, let's do a Bible study on, on this, and maybe pastor is wrong. And personally, I've used grapes since then, but I never have corporately because I don't want to use be a stumbling block to anybody. But be careful. Let's, let's study this out versus let's just get mad and quit. That's, that's picking up an offense versus bearing somebody else's burden. So, again, be careful because the trick of the enemy is while you're bearing somebody's burden, that there is a potential possibility that you also pick up their offense. So, when, in our particular case, it goes back to what Paul says here, just keep your critical comments to yourself and people won't know you're really offended. We, we love to get offended in America, and I have the gift of offense, And sometimes I share that. I I try not to, but just in position alone, uh, people may get offended on some of the things that uh, I say or maybe the way I say it. I I understand that. I get it. I'm working on it. My wife is diligently helping me with it, and she's not been so successful just yet. But she's working. You pray for her (laughs) as she works with me. So be careful, though, that you are bearing burdens but not picking up. I like what the one scripture says. Let's go to verse, let's go to the very next one, uh, verse 4. Don't, He says, don't compare yourself with others. I didn't hit on this one. And this, I think, is a problem not only in the church world, but in the world in general. Don't compare yourself with others. Listen, God created you to be you. Okay? But but make sure that your agenda is to be all that God wants you to be, and all that you can be in Christ. Okay? So if there is a hiccup or a hang-up, if there's a habit, if there's an addiction, if there's a problem, if there's an issue, give it over to God. Cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. This is the this is the thing about Christ is don't don't compare yourself. Don't don't be in that mode where, well, that person always works out for them. They have a golden spoon in their mouth. Well, maybe they have allowed themselves to walk into Kairos moments, okay? They don't have to defend who they are. They just are who they are. They walk through that lovingly and in grace versus a person who always has to prove something. And that might be good in certain athletics or certain businesses or whatever, but it's very draining to always compare yourself to somebody else. Always compare yourself to something that you're, you're not or to compare yourself to something that maybe you wished you would be but weren't. It becomes very draining. So don't compare Yourself, that's not a healthy lifestyle to, to live in. Let's go on to verse number six then. Be very sure now you have been trained to self sufficient. Okay, we cover that when we we'll go to verse seven one more time and then. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. A person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. You know this. So whatever we plant, we harvest. Uh, uh, King James says, God shall not be mocked. What when men plants, that also that he will harvest. So if we harvest good seed, we'll have a good fruit. If we harvest bad seed, we'll harvest bad fruit. Again, it goes back to what Paul's saying. Just keep critical things, critical nature to yourself. Don't complain. Don't point fingers. Don't do those things. Just love on God and start planning. So some people are just so joyful. Like you know they're walking in misery. You know that they they have this uh, uh, thing in their life. They have a, a thorn in the side. They have a crutch. They have a they, have, they, they just it's a struggle every day for them to get up. Yet they have so much joy. They have so much life. They they don't complain. They just they just move forward. And yet some people who seemingly have everything they're complaining. They are hating life. They're not they're not loving anything. And it becomes what they're sowing they're sowing complaining. So they're reaping that back. They're, re, they're reaping misery back. But if you plant joy, you're going to reap joy back. It's 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 amazing just with a mind shift of just saying, okay, I'm just going to make today, I'm just going to purpose today that I'm going to be joyful today. That doesn't mean that you might not have sorrow. And it certainly doesn't mean that you might have suffering. It just means that you're going to purpose in your life, today I'm going to know the joy of the Lord because that becomes my strength. So we plant joy, we get strength back. That's part of the harvest. If we plant faith, if we get away from fear, the things in our life that we continue to plant, that will come back to us in in a harvest. And then he says, uh, the harvest, a crop of real life, which is eternal life, and so we're planting things just like the farmer would. We're from the Midwest, y'all know that. You see corn and soybeans for miles, hundreds of miles, if not a thousand miles. You see it for hours upon hours. You get in your car and you can drive for eight hours either direction of Omaha, Nebraska, and you're going to see corn or soybean. They planted that field. Okay, it's it's planted, so then there there's going to be a, a harvest, a crop that's going to come for that. The same thing, God uses this picture of agriculture for us, that if I plant uh, seeds of joy, if I plant seeds of faith, if I plant seeds of uh, happiness, if I plant seeds of blessing, if I want to bless somebody, then things are going to come back. And the Bible says it's much better to give than it is to receive. And so now I'm in this planting mode. I'm going to be planting, I'm going to be sowing. Some things you may not experience the harvest until you get to the other side. And that's okay. We're called here to be laborers. Jesus said, occupy or work until I come. So there's things that we need to do. We didn't sign off on salvation, get baptized, and then just go ahead and live a life of freedom until Jesus comes back. we got that box checked. No, we became laborers in a workforce of Jesus so that we too can help win souls to add to the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? So it's important that we understand. Let's go to verse number nine as we close up. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good, okay? the King James says, weary in right doing. Don't get weary in right doing. For at the right time, it says, for in due season, which means kairos, okay? Or opportunity, which means kairos. We will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or if we don't quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get a chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. And so, what's this mean? The God becomes our anchor as we work through this thing, not our excuse. Sometimes, if we're not careful, God becomes an excuse in our life. Well, God just didn't mean it that way, or God didn't want it that way, or God didn't say it that way, or God is God's against me. And a lot of people, maybe from uh, atheist background, say, well, there is no God, or, or I tried God, and God doesn't work. No, if God becomes your anchor, then you make it through every season in life. But a Kairos moment will take place because you've anchored your faith, hope, trust, belief, and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we've anchored in God, when we've anchored there, our riches become in God, not our excuses. And so we we become excuse-laden if we're not careful, and then even good, strong Christians start to make excuses for God. Well, God didn't do this or God didn't do that. No, maybe God did do that, but my anchor's in God. Do you know my full trust is in God? If my full trust is in God, he calls the shots, I don't. If he's calling the shots, and I'm just walking along because he's the, he's the field general. He he understands. And so when our anchors there, but now this creates kairos. And here's here's what I mean by kairos. So if we're doing our part, we're not being weary, we're looking for due season or opportunity, then all of a sudden God opens this window in heaven and he starts to pour out blessing upon you. You can't even receive it, you can't even contain it. You have no idea what's taking place. Why is that? Because you've kept your mouth shut, you've worshipped God you've lived created, and you start to pray for those things. People that I prayed for for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years to, to grow in their closeness with Christ all of a sudden start uh, beca- developing a relationship with God. They, they started saying the church things like praise God and amen, brother. People I never thought would say that are saying that. I'm thinking, wow, God, you're so cool. It became a Kairos moment. It became a Kairos moment. Janie and I driving around in that car with no reverse, it became a Kairos moment because she would speak those things out. Her faith then had become sight. She started to realize, that listen, if we've been taught this thing, if we believe this thing, and I'm not saying name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. I don't think you should walk into Walmart and claim everything on the shelves without paying for it. Or whatever Target, whatever store you, Kohl's, whatever store you shop at, Lowe's food, whatever store you shop at. I don't think you should just, the pastor said I could just claim that. No, go get a job. <laughs> Pay for it like everybody else should. You can't drive up and down the street without applying for five different jobs and getting hired the same day. Oh, I hit somebody there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kairos moments. Kairos moments. Come on back, worship team. Kyrus, what's a Kairos moment? A Kairos moment is this: I'm going to live creatively. I'm going to bear somebody's burden. My God's going to be my anchor, and then I'm going to watch as I do things right in Him, by Him, for Him. He's just going to open windows of heaven. and He's going to throw out blessings on me that I I can't. I I had no idea they were coming. I'm going to call those things that aren't as though they were. I'm going to start prophesying over my situation. I'm going to start declaring. Listen, prophecy works really good if you prophesy over your own situation. If someone starts to prophesy into your life, make sure it already confirms what God has told you. Or make sure it confirms what the Word of God knows you. Are you with me? Somebody somebody goes off on a whim and starts prophesying something and that's not biblical or scriptural and they start doomsday this and doomsday that, rebuke them in the name of Jesus. You don't need that stuff in your life. There's enough draining you the way it is. You want joy in your life. You want happiness. But someone comes along and says, hey, sister, I need to pray with you because the Lord just told me that maybe you're going through something I don't need to know what it is. Can we just pray? That's someone that's bearing your burden with you. That's someone the Holy Spirit's probably sitting next to you. Okay? Stand with me this morning. Let's let's close in prayer. Maybe you're here. And and you you have been weary, you have been drained, and it's, you've been drained like the scripture says from just well doing, from good things. Like uh, you're 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 working hard, you're you're adding to the kingdom of God, you're you're praying, you're you're worshiping, but you've fallen on dry ground, and that, that happens. Trust me, I've seen, I've had it where my prayers seem like they hit a ceiling of brass and they fall back down. Lord, what's going on? Maybe you just need a time of, of just waiting. Just a time. Psalms 46 and 10 says, "Be still and know that I am God." It's okay to be still, but I, but I can't pray. I, I can't worship. I can't. I just can't do anything. I'm numb right now. That's okay. But maybe you're weary from your well doing, and God's gonna buzz, getting ready to bust something open for you. God's getting ready just to bust a new ministry or a new friendship or a new family member. God's getting ready to bust open a new idea. Maybe it's a business idea or, or whatever. A new ministry over out of sea, over town, out of town, or overseas. We don't know what God has in store, but because God is God, and we know his thoughts and his ways are high above our ways in Isaiah 55 and 9. So what we have to do is say, okay, God, here I am. I'm a vessel of yours, but if you close your eyes and just raise your hands for a second and just worship him for a moment, I know there's probably some here, you're weary doing well, and you're like, God, I just, I don't know if I can go on anymore. You can, and I want you to hang in there for a moment because if you continue just to wait on the Lord, he's gonna renew your strength. He's gonna mount you up. He's going to make you a powerful player of his. And you just keep calling those things. Keep speaking out. But know this, that God will give you a kairos moment where blessings are sure to come. You've prayed for it. You've asked God for it. You've walked in it. You've not complained. You've not passed criticism. You've not pointed the finger. You've done everything right. Now just stand. Just stand and trust God. Just stand and believe God. Just stand and have your hope in God. Okay, God, here I am. I'm wore out. I'm weary. I'm just, I'm, I need rest. But, Lord, right now, I need you to open that window of heaven. I need you to pour out that blessing. Let it be peace or hope or joy or or something tangible. Whether it be a family member that needs to come to know you, Lord, I, I need you to pour out that blessing. I need you to open that window, Father. I'm standing Lord, I I pray right now for the due season of the people that are within the sound of my voice right now. They're praying for that due season, Father. I I speak that out. I ask right now. Lord, as we bear each other's burdens, as we live creatively, Lord, let that be a due season. You are our anchor, Father. I speak it out right now. God, let that be a due season. Let their due season come to pass right now. Father, we declare that. We thank you for it. We speak it out, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship a little more song together. God bless you this morning.
1: amen. How many of you believe that today, that God loves you so much? Amen. Did you see that message today as well? Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Papa, for preaching that to us. Uh, We all receive that. And uh, if you didn't hear anything else, you know, I want you to know that God loves you. He loves you so much uh, that he's like a good shepherd that would leave the 99 sheep to go after that one lost person, that one lost sheep. And he cares about you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. Amen. And not only does God love you, but we love you here at this church. This is a place where you can call home. Uh, if you're looking for a place to belong, I want you to know that you belong here, right here at Grace Church. Amen. And uh, so, make yourself at home. Be a part of this family. Amen. Because we love you. And, uh, and we are just grateful that we are walking forgiven uh, because of the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did on Calvary. Amen. So I just wanted to close the service in a word of prayer and just ask God to uh, put His blessing upon you. But maybe something during that sermon, during that uh, message today. maybe God spoke to your heart. Maybe it's a prayer request that you have or something else. Uh, Feel free, even if you want to physically lift your hands up during this prayer or or even in your heart, just bow your hearts to Him and uh, and just lift that prayer request up to God and and without even knowing your request, I I want to agree with you uh, as as we do here in this church. We believe that God answers prayer. So I just want to pray for that for you today. Uh, Let's pray and just ask God to put His blessing on it. Father, I thank You so much for Your love. I thank you that you care for us, that you know us, that you uh, delight in us, God. And I pray that you would uh, be with each person here today, whatever the need is. If it's someone that's physically sick today, God, we lift that person up to you. God, if it's somebody who's struggling mentally, even God, we lift them up to you today or, or the loved one of someone here. And we believe, God, that you are our provider for those that need a financial miracle, for the person here that needs a break, that they need a job, uh, a new job or a promotion. Lord, I pray that you would provide for them because you are our provider. Lord God, you are our shepherd. You are our strong tower and our deliverer. I thank you, God, that we don't even have to fight our battles because you are fighting our battles for us. You are our defender. You are our deliverer. You are the strong tower. You are our mighty God, our fortress in whom we will trust. Lord God, we put our faith, our hope, and our trust in you today. Lord, God, knowing that you are going before us. God, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit today. Empower us to do the work that you have called us to do, to go forward in your strength and in your power, not ours, God. We pray all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you so much. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week.
0: Thank you for joining
2: us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv slash give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.